Welcome to our second season of Shooting the Breeze. This time, we're casting our net wider. We're going to be talking to inspiring athletes, amazing coaches, and behind-the-scenes trailblazers from across the women's basketball landscape. As we start the run-up to the Olympics, another WNBL season, and the FIBA Women's World Cup being held right here in Sydney, as well as the Opals being ranked number two in the world, this is a great time to be a fan of Australian women's basketball. Don't forget to subscribe and be the first to know when we have more Hoops goodness headed your way. Welcome Shooting the Breeze and joining me again, co-host and fellow Hiroshima Carps fan, Jacinta Gavins. Hello, yes, that is a really deep cut of, um, of a fun fact there, Paul. Well done. Because <laughs> you're the only other person I've ever met in Australia who knows who the Hiroshima Carps are. Did I wear the Hiroshima Carps yeah, you did. thing to a game one day? That, that's yeah, how I'm like, I was like, I'm pretty sure we have had this conversation, but I couldn't remember where. So, yeah, love that deep cut. Love that deep cut. Good on you. <laughs> All right. So, look, we've got a lot to unpack from the Belgium game as well as the preview for the China game. But before we get into this, there's been a lot of noise on social media, as there always is after games like this. Not interested about getting into specifics. From my point of view, all I want to say is, let's just focus on the facts. The team in Tokyo is the team we got. I accept everyone's entitled to an opinion, but this isn't fantasy football. This is the team we got. All the other stuff's just noise. Oh, it is noise. It is just noise, isn't it? That's a great way to describe it. And I think in the past I have... um disengaged from a lot of social media for that very reason that it's just noise it fills up too much of my head and it doesn't leave a lot of room in my head for more important things but loving to see everyone's feedback and it is a big big time for people like us doing podcasts and blogs and whatnot have engaged again in a bit of social media and the last 24 hours for me has been wild wild on social media (laughs) First of all, I did start another Instagram page, which is a more professional page so we can share the Shooting the Breeze podcast and some other more basketball-related things. And overnight, the Instagram account got hacked. I don't know why they think I was important enough to be hacked, but it was hacked. (laughs) Uh, But I recovered it, so that was good. And then we entered the world of Twitter. Now, to me, I haven't used Twitter very often. I only also use Twitter for basketball-related things. Um, because I also understand that a lot of basketball journalists and sports writers and athletes use Twitter quite a bit. So that's why I joined the um, the party. And wow, I think like it doesn't matter what social media platform you access for whatever reason, there's just misguided opinions and very negative opinions across them all. And Twitter was just a light with what you've touched on before. Basically, this person should have got picked in the team. Imagine if we had this person instead. Why is this person getting this much court time? You know, a lot of these kind of um, so-called fans that can sit on the couch and easily say this behind a screen. And I'm not too sure how much personal experience I have of playing the game or being a part of a basketball culture. But a lot of the, the comments were really jarring, to say the least. What was your take on it? Yeah, look, my attitude towards social media is I try and filter out all that sort of stuff. Literally, to me, it's just noise. I'm just not interested in it. You know, let's get on to the more serious stuff. And if you want to go and give your opinion like that, feel free, but it doesn't interest me. I'm sorry. And I just don't see any value in sharing some of those opinions. And like you said, this is the team we've got. 
The Opals roster was picked for a particular reason and granted it wouldn't have been a very easy job to pick this roster because we have a lot of talented players to choose from. Um, That's right. Some people mentioned that should be in the team weren't even at the last camp. So I don't think know how people think that they were in contention. But, uh, yeah, I just don't see the value of putting such negative comments online, um, really hanging people out to dry sometimes, saying, you know, who should be in the team. I just don't see any value in that. If you're a true fan of sport, a sporting team, or supporting your country at the Olympics, what's the purpose of that? Yeah. I, I Look, I can't see any. You know, mm. let's get rid of it. Let's keep moving forward. So let's have a look at what happened at the – Australia-Belgium game, the thing that shocked me the most was that last six and a half minutes of the game. Up until then, you know, the lead seesawed, you know, we had a lead at one point, the biggest lead we had was seven, so not a small break. For me, the turning point was that inbound intercept. After that, after that, everybody just seemed to not be able to get it all back together again. It's so funny that Sometimes it can just take a small, innocent error in play like that and that can just be the turning point, the shift in momentum. I've um, spoken to a few people in the last 24 hours that also have recognised that point in the game was the final dagger where we really started to unravel. But um, I watched the game again today on replay and after watching it live, I thought the third quarter you know, was, was probably a little bit shambolic and then in hindsight, it was definitely that fourth quarter. We just... I, I, we just kind of really unraveled. I feel like a lot of the game, the first yeah. three and a half quarters, we were getting by. We still weren't as synchronized as we could have. We still had a lot of areas to improve, but we we're still getting by. And then I think that was all held together for as long as it possibly could until it, could, it just unraveled. It just took that one incident you mentioned and it was it was over. I think, you know, not having Steph Talbot on the floor, Mm. may have impacted the way the team was was approaching the game but also I mean some of the some of our percentages did not look good I think our turnovers particularly were really painful yeah and there was points off turnovers that was huge so I think Belgium had about 20 to 24 points off turnovers which is huge yeah, 20 points huge yeah 20 points a lot of those turnovers as well were just quite careless turnovers you know a lot of uh bouncing the ball off the foot or a lot of you know passes going awry and I think a lot of the the passes going awry really came from how out of sync our offense was as well you could notice that people weren't particularly in the right spots at the right times there was very little ball movement and there was very little movement off the ball and especially when if you're trying to make a play and you're putting the ball to the floor and you're expecting someone to be in that spot and they're not, that's when you're going to get those unforced turnovers. I think one of the things that surprised me was the fact that, you know, I mean, as you managed to score a lot of points, but it seemed to me that as the game went on, Belgium were able to make adjustments to make her less impactful. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, they, they really did a good job of trying to knuckle down to limit her touches, I think. Yeah. But at the same time, Ezzy can only get so many touches um, that her team, you know, give her. Um, I think that a lot of the play, whether it was involving Ezzy or whether it's involving someone else like Tolo, I was really impressed with what Tolo contributed the whole game. But a lot of um, our successes from the Opals game came from getting the ball inside, at least even yep. just for a touch. It didn't have to be for a score. 
but yeah, getting the ball inside at least, um, getting some ball movement through the middle. And that was what was working for us. And we just completely went away from it. The other thing that surprised me a lot, the, the free throw percentages were really low mm. in comparison to what what they normally hit in the WNBL. I mean, overall, the team was at 60%, which is you know not great at this level uh, compared to Belgium, who are at 87.5. That's something we're going to have to really improve on, particularly shaping up to China in the upcoming game. Yeah, like you're right. You always want your team to be shooting at least 85% for the free throw line standard. Sometimes the lower percentages can just really reflect any kind of underlying tension that's happening in the team. Because you could tell that the Opals, they didn't look themselves. They looked really unsettled on offense. Um, Like I said, not really looking like they're in the right spots. I think a lot of time they didn't look like they were really on the same page with what they were supposed to be running. Um, And sometimes those little things can just be this kind of like unresolved tension or underlying uncertainty. And that can reflect in things like missed layups in the third and fourth quarter, 60% from the free throw line. Um, even on the defensive end, I'm not too sure if they were fatigued or there was a lot of miscommunication, but especially in the first half, our help split line defense was asleep. And a lot of times we were getting beaten off the dribble penetration. So it's just all those kind of little little areas that, you know, should be your stock standard skills that should be, you know, like solid. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes when those things build up, that's when things can be reflected in other areas like free throws. To me, what I'm looking at is they were kind of almost in sync. And that's that's probably even worse. It felt to me like because of all the adjustments they had to make because of the prep and also the fact that Steph couldn't play, you had to start moving people into other roles and they just weren't quite there. Mm. Um, and I think there were a couple of times where I saw passes go and you could tell they were expecting someone to be in a particular position and they just weren't and they weren't that far away. So it was like one or two steps, whether it was they weren't quite fast enough or they weren't quite in position. To me anyway, it's telling me that the adjustments may not have quite been worked through properly given the last minute change to the roster. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually, because there were lots of times, too, where you could see a couple of people playing in the four or five spots. They'd catch it in a certain position and they'd hold on to the ball for way too long. And it was almost yeah. like they were trying to think of like, wait, what am I supposed to do here again? I might have a shot. Can I shoot it? Am I supposed to pass to the weak side? And there was a lot of times where it just stopped. So I think mm. it probably comes back to what you touched on, that they were probably maybe playing a bit out of position to compensate. And that was maybe a bit of a cause of the, um, you know, uncertainty as well. I think it was a real, it's a real possibility. And I think that not being quite in the right spot may well have contributed to Belgium's ability to make, you know, nine steals in the game. Yeah, yeah. That uncertainty, if you're going to play with hesitation, you, you leave yourself vulnerable for steals. You probably leave yourself a little bit more vulnerable to be easily read by the defence to have steals and deflections. You, you can't afford to hesitate. You have to be a, a lot more assertive. But the Belgians, like, full credit to them. I feel yeah. like they they played like a, like a very united front. They were very focused. And we did say in our last episode that Belgium and Australia have actually quite a similar playing style and sometimes you know, that can be a really great game where it's bucket for bucket or sometimes one team is just going to unravel. Unfortunately, it was yep. us in this case. Um, yeah. 
But the thing that I liked about Belgium is like they stuck to their similar playing style, but they made some really nice tweaks. So they came out in a, a backcourt press, yep. which I don't think the Opals were expecting. And then they kept switching up to a zone, which I don't think the Opals were expecting too. So that's throwing some more uncertainty at the Opals. And you could see a lot of the time that Leilani was trying to get people organised in both parts of um, yeah. whether it was they were facing a man-to-man or a zone defence, and that sometimes chewed up a lot of time on the clock as well. So, yeah, full credit to Belgium. They were very focused that game. They stuck to their game plan. That It was theirs to win, really. Yeah, and actually touching on, on Leilani for a minute, one of the things that I noticed in a couple of occasions where there were no no passing opportunities for her. She'd try and take a shot and she was just being out-monstered by the height of the Belgians and that really made it difficult for her to be able to produce in the way that she normally does. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I don't think she was getting as many on balls as she would probably normally get. I think there was a lot of off-the-ball action where maybe she was coming off and trying to curl off a screen. But look, she she wants to create. She wants to get people involved and she'll give it yeah. to you if you're open. She's a very unselfish player. And the times when that those options came up, it was working. Like I think it was in the first quarter, she made a, a drive just straight down the middle and hooked around and found Ezzy for an easy and one play. And that's really as easy as it needs to be. Yeah, and let's not forget, she did get seven assists in that game. Mm. Um, I think it was second highest in the in the game. Uh, second highest, if not highest. Oh, did someone in the Belgian team get eight? Yeah, actually, I think they got 11. Oh, wow. I could be wrong, but I think they got 11. Seven is still extraordinary. And I think people need to remember that, especially in a point guard position, just because you're not scoring points, you do have a lot of other responsibilities to do in that role and that needs to be fulfilled. So points isn't always going to be a priority. Very true. So let's move on to the next game, China versus Australia. I mean, there's no other way to put it. China pretty much smashed Puerto Rico. Yeah, (laughs) they really did. They really did. They came out and made a statement, didn't they? They did. You know, what I saw, what I saw the game, I didn't get to see the whole game, but what I did see of it, Puerto Rico just didn't have any answers for for what uh, China was was putting up. Looking at it from the point of view of, of the Opals going forward, you know, I'm looking at the percentages. You know, they were hitting 80% from the free throw, 37 three points, 64 for two points. You know, they're deadly. They are really deadly in, in what the way they, they played. And I'm really curious to see how we're going to be able to adjust to take on a team that's got the height advantage and is obviously also, you know, pretty dangerous when, uh, when given an opportunity. Yeah, you can never take teams like China and Japan lightly. They're always going to be strong competitors. They're always like a dark horse of any tournament. And I feel like Australia have played China enough now to know what they're capable of. Because the other thing is that, you know, the Opals haven't played Belgium. We don't play a lot of European teams as often as we would some of the Asian teams. I mean, obviously, geographically and how FIBA is all broken up and stuff, but... The Opals definitely can't afford to be hesitant when they play against China. They have to come with a lot more certainty and they have to come up with a lot more ball movement, like on and off the ball, Um, because I think one of the flaws that China historically have in their team is that they're prone to fouling. Yep. It would be in the Opals' best interest to keep moving the ball, keep shifting the defense and trying to exploit their flaw of, you know, being known to be prone to fouling early um, and Mm. put them under a little bit more pressure. 
I mean, I've got to be honest, I was really surprised by the, the, the scoreline in that game. I expected Puerto Rico to be able to get closer. What do you think the key matchups is going to be for Australia? It's going to be a lot more pressure, I think, on our on our bigs again, unfortunately. Um, I mean, I would really like to see the Opals bigs bring that same defense that they had in the trial game against Team USA. Our, yep. our defense under the basket against Team USA was really, really good. They really locked down Grime. I think we talked, I can't remember if we talked about that, touched on that last episode too. I think we'll have to come down to that. I think that there'll have to be a presence uh, on the offensive end as well. Not so much, again, not so much just to be a scorer, but just to be a distributor and to keep shifting the defense. Um, I haven't seen much of the current guards from China to see how they're going to match up. I'd like to hope that some of our twos and threes might have a little bit more length compared to the Chinese guards. But, I mean, I was hoping for that in the Belgian game as well, and that didn't really come to fruition. Um, But, yeah, I I think it's going to have to rely on the inside game again. One of the things I was thinking about today was that because, you know, we had Liz, the strategy for the game was designed around the bigs Mm. for the campaign. And the one thing that everybody's managed to do is, is look at that, identify that, and they've found ways to counter that. And because, you know, Ezzy's not as solid as our other bigs, she's going to get pushed around a bit more. And I think there's a potential for us to have that. It sounds stupid to say but that having Ezzy in that position is, is a bit of a weakness. And it's not her playing ability. It's just the physicality that's going to happen there. Yeah, it's, that's a really good point. I think, and if I were looking at it that way, knowing I've got Tolo up my sleeve, I yeah. really, really like Tolo. Tolo is an excellent role player. Tolo is a true centre. She's always been a true centre since she was 16, 17 years old at the, when it was called the AIS. And you can rely on her to be in there for the box out, making sure she's doing a good job on defence, getting a good seal under the basket to give you something. But she can also hit the shot from the elbow extended if need be. Maybe if we use Tolo a little bit more in that way, it can take a bit of pressure off Ezzy and Ezzy might have more scoring opportunities off the dribble because she is very athletic. Yep. I mean, a lot of other bigs I can imagine would be struggling to guard Ezzy off the dribble. But yeah, again, even if she just catches it in a high post action and frees up some of her um, shooters on the outside, we've got lots of shooters. We've got nearly... I can guarantee everyone in that team can hit a three-pointer. And yep. some of the tweets I was and reading last night were saying, we need more three-point shooters. And I said, well, I'm like, look, everyone on that roster, Opal's roster can hit a three-pointer. Easy. Yeah, they can. Look, Kayla proved it, you know. In the clutch, she came through like she always does, and she nailed a couple when we needed them. And Tess Magin hit that really nice three at the end of the third quarter. That was a bit of a boost going into the fourth. Yep. And she's someone who's, you know, on a roster of 12, she's, what, ninth, tenth? Mm. And she's hitting a three. So we're very capable of doing that. I think we just need to refine and fine-tune the ways we create scoring opportunities for each other. Tell me about what your your take on this current Chinese team is, Paul. I've only seen them in that, that Puerto Rico game, and what I saw was pretty amazing actually there's their big players seem to be able to move pretty well they seem to have their teamwork really down pat obviously they must play together a lot more than the opals get an opportunity to and you could see just the way they were they were rotating the ball the way they were hitting their positions the passes that were going it was a well-oiled machine 
Mm. And it really came into play when you just see the the way they they scored all the way through that game. Um, look, I believe that we're going to be able to challenge them a lot more, mm. but we really need to get. I think that that team communication is going to be the key to being able to give China a really hard time. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I didn't see a lot of effective team communication in the Opals game against Belgium, so that will definitely need to be improved against China. But, yeah, it'll be interesting if China looked that good against Puerto Rico in a game that they easily won. It would just be interesting to see if they can maintain that against a much more challenging and skilled team if they're going to be able to adapt um, adapt or die, really. <laughs> like anything, if they're going to be able to adapt to um, maybe a more physical, more challenging play that they'll come across when they play the Opals. Because I don't know too much about the Puerto Rico team, but they didn't seem to be quite gelling. Hmm. Um, and I don't know how often they play together either, but it just felt to me that China really just just meshed and they knew where everybody had to be and everybody was playing their part. Yeah. Look, that if it sounds like, I mean, that's always going to be a bit of a threat and a bit of a danger if it's a team that are already looking like they're gelling so well compared to an Opals who look like they still needed a bit more time to to bake so they could gel a little bit better. I was going to ask, what did you think about not playing Alana Smith or Sarah Blickovs? I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why at least Alana Smith didn't get any time. She's someone, you know, she's she's tall, she's long. Again, she can shoot, she can play that stretch four. She plays in the WNBA under Sandy, so I don't know the thinking behind why she didn't get any court time. Um, Sarah, I can understand a little bit more not because she isn't talented or skilled or anything she's very skilled she can't I really like how Sarah um brings a lot of energy and fire off the bench as well you give her a job she'll go and do it but I think it's a bit tricky with Sarah because she is also a player who could play different positions and maybe there are others that could probably play that position a little bit better at the moment she she did come in to replace Liz who's a five Sarah not really being a five does that mean you put someone else as another five? Do you like where 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 are you going to slaughter in? I think that might be a bit tricky, but I still don't have any answer as to why Alana Smith didn't touch the court last night. So if you have any insights, I'm all for it. I don't. I was hoping you might have had. The one thing I do know is that there was a quote that came through from uh, Sandy that I saw today, where she said, "We were right there, and they made the plays, and we didn't." What do you think of that statement? I think, um, yeah, so when I was preparing for today's episode, watched the game twice, the first time I had a lot of notes and then I had to go back and condense them into like, okay, what are the main themes? I think Sandy's quote is just as specific and equally as ambiguous, but I think it's correct. You can apply that to anything you can apply that to the all the missed layups we had in the third and fourth quarter we didn't make our layups they made our layups you can say that about the defensive intensity you can say that about the rotations it was all of those little non-negotiables as some coaches like to say making layups making free throws um, split line d that they were all those plays that we also had those opportunities to make and we didn't that was our flaw and the belgians made them so as simple as Sandy's quote is, I think it still reflects like a, a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. So we've got this game coming up. Yep. I'm really 
looking forward to watching it. And we'll be back to do a wrap-up and a preview of the Puerto Rico game once we've got a result from this. Jacinta, thanks for your time. Great to have you back. Looking forward to talking to you about this game as well. And go Opals. Go Opals, yes. (laughs) Always appreciate you having me to have a chat, Paul, so anytime. Yeah, let's hope we can see a much more assertive and confident and intense Opals, the Opals that we know and uh, take no prisoners in in this China game. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, Squin. Yeah, you too, Paul. Thank you. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.